the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today we're doing this, this, the second part of our kind of reboot. So the first one was kind of like the prequel. We're going through the book of Daniel for Stranger Things. Uh, last week I rebooted. If you didn't listen online, you should have a listen because it was, it was pretty cool. It was fun. So today what we're going to be doing is looking at chapter five of the book of Daniel. If you've ever, wow, Marvin's got balloons out there and the fact that one has gone bang already tells me they're not going to be able to do this task. Do you? Oh, wow. This is Justina's favorite Sunday. It was like God called you to be here to overcome that fear. It's like, if only I'd known it had been a deliverance Sunday. Joyce Byers is one of like the main characters in Stranger Things. If you've been watching Stranger Things, or you, you'll know about this character. She's like the key person. So basically, her son has been like taken by this creature from this other world, the upside down world, they call it. And everyone else is convinced her kid is dead. There's been this cover-up. Everyone's convinced her son is dead, her son is dead, her son is dead. But for Joyce, she has this kind of feeling that her son's still alive. These stranger things are happening in her house, and it's always kind of like the light bulbs. It's always the light bulbs. It's always kind of like blowing up or, or doing these weird things, and there's this weird stuff happening with the walls and things like that. And today was a huge temptation for me because you see so many times with church, I always think of things that I would just love to do. And then every now and then I have to hold myself in check and going, yeah, you know what, Andy, you would love to do that, but most Christians wouldn't. So if you've seen Stranger Things, there's this bit where she's just trying to communicate with her son on the other side in the upside down world. She has like these lights all in a line along the wall like that. And she ends up having them all around her house. And then she builds a system where she starts putting letters where the lights are so her son can communicate with her from the other side. But then I was like, isn't that just like a lit up Ouija board? And I was like, maybe maybe we won't come in on church on Sunday. And then people are like, hashtag church, hashtag Ouija. And I was like, mm, I can see how this could go wrong real, real, real fast. But in the show, that's what she has. She has this huge wall just covered in lights. Everyone thinks she's lost the plot. Everyone thinks she's crazy. She's kind of painted these letters on and her son starts communicating to her from the other side. So today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, you've got the City Hill London app. We'll be reading from the same translation. Or if you actually have a paper Bible, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, Daniel chapter 5 verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded the vessel of gold, silver, the Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. When they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, opposite the lampstand and the king saw the hand as it wrote when the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him his limbs gave way his knees knocked together and the king called loudly to bring in the enchanters and the chaldeans and the astrologers the king declared to the wise men of babylon whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a gold chain put around his neck and he should be the third ruler in the kingdom so he's freaked out. He's called these guys in for anyone to be able to read the text on the wall. The text on the wall, the fact they can't read it is a really strange thing because what happens later is Daniel's going to read from that text and that text, the alphabet that, they, that he has with the Hebrew language 
most of those letters are kind of shared with their own language. So these guys should be able to walk up the route to the wall and decipher it instantly. So there's something stranger going on than just the letters being on the wall because they're looking at stuff they should be able to perceive and they can't perceive it. Also, I love the thing that he says that he's going to give them like purple and a chain of gold. He's not going to turn them into like some blinged out rude boys. <laughs> so like the, the, the chain that they would have would be more like the Egyptian type thing. Like you see like in the, if you ever had a kid's Bible, like you see Joseph when he becomes like a ruler, he has this like solid gold plate across the chest. You see it in like uh, the Prince of Egypt on Moses as well, the solid plate of gold. So when he's saying that, he's not going to give him a necklace. He's not going to look like Flavor Flav. He's going to have this huge, massive metal golden plate across his chest and he should be the third ruler in the kingdom then all the king's wise men came in but they could not read the writings or make known the king's inter the interpretation the king Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his colour changed and his lords were perplexed the queen because of the words of the king and his lords came to the banqueting hall and the queen declared O king live forever let your thoughts not alarm you or, or your colour change there is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods in these days of your father light and understanding and wisdom like the god, wisdom of the gods are found in him king Nebuchadnezzar your father your father the king made him chief of the magicians enchanters Chaldeans and astrologers because of an excellent spirit knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams explain riddles and solve problems were found in, da in this Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar so he has the same name as the king because that's when Nebuchadnezzar gave him back then now Daniel be called because when they were taken away their whole identity was stripped for them so this was like a, it was the children of Israel were taken from Israel when they'd been conquered they'd been dragged all the way out to different parts of the empire dispersed among it so they couldn't unite together and overthrow the Babylonians and take back their land and they were broken of their identity so they were given new names that were not their names as an idea to break them down so it's making reference here that his name was actually Belshazzar which is similar to the king's name but the book continues and consistently calls him Daniel because it's refusing to accept the identity that was thrust upon them as opposed to who God had said they were and who they knew that they were then Daniel was brought in before the king and the king said to Daniel you are Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have brought in before me to read this writing and made known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you give interpretations and solve problems. If you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you should be clothed with purple, you should have a chain of gold around your neck, and should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel answered and said to him, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship, greatness, glory, and majesty. And because of the greatness he gave him, all the peoples, nations, and languages trembled with fear before him. Whom he would kill was killed. Who he would keep alive was kept alive. And who he raised up was raised up. And anyone he humbled, he humbled. But his heart, was lift, his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly. He was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. 
He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast of the field, and his dwelling was with wild donkeys. He fed off grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. You have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you, your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver, the gods of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed, many, many, tekel, and parsim. And the interpretation of the matter, mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and have been found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clover purple, a gold chain was put around his neck and and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years of age so it's a crazy crazy story but i want to pull out a few small little details in there firstly the golden vessels taken out of the temple secondly opposite the lampstand they're the two things i really want to major on which kind of sound like small references and irrelevant but they're they're pretty big so if you ever were here when we did the artifact series you may heard me talk about it before if you haven't make sure you go on our soundcloud and you search city hill london artifacts It's a series where we did each week looking at each of the artifacts that were in the temple, that were in the Holy of Holy area. What they were, why they were created, what they meant to Israel. How that when they came out of Egypt, these were the items that were created. This was part of their identity. This mattered to who they were. It was central to their daily routine. Everything about who they were and their relationship with God was found in these kind of items, serving as visual aids and reminders of these things and these systems. Now, this king grabs those things and he makes them the props for like his huge party slash orgy slash whatever with like a thousand people there and everyone's getting wasted and he's using the golden artifacts in a way they were never intended to be used and it all kicks off with this moment where it says opposite the lampstand opposite the lampstand now in the holy of holies there was this like lampstand which was used and it had like these seven um lamp on it and it was filled with olive oil and they would light it and they would light each one and it would light throughout the day some of it would go into the night but most of them would fade away the middle one even though they all had the same amount of oil the middle lampstand was this one which in the like the Jewish sayings of the rabbis the Talmud there's these writings where it basically says that that was the first one you lit you lit the first one then the other ones would be lit after it but then there was this saying that for an extended period of time the first one would be lit but the others would run out and be extinguished and the middle one just kept going. And it just kept going and it just kept going and it kept going. And among their people, when they'd go through these seasons when the middle candle, the middle, not candle, lamp would just burn and burn and burn consistently and wouldn't go out, they had this idea that was shared among the people, this belief, this feeling that they would say that it was Shekinah. They would say that God's glory was in the place. So when the middle lamp was a light and it kept going in this way where everything else would extinguish before it but this light would keep going and keep going and not burn out when it should burn out when it didn't make any sense this miracle was known 
to their people and to their leaders as being this idea that actually, you know what, God is still here, God is still with us, God is still for us. Now, the reason in this passage at this moment, when we read this text, we don't really care about this moment, but actually for a Jewish audience, they would have cared deeply about this moment because for them, this is one of the darkest periods of their history. This only is rivaled by the Holocaust. The Book of Lamentations is about the diaspora when they're spread out against their will and how they're treated. We read and we did a series looking at the five poems in Lamentations and how it writes there were women who ate their babies and then wished that they were dead because they had to live with the fact of what they'd done. It was one of their darkest, darkest days, just like the Holocaust, a period in Israel's history unparalleled in its brutality and its absolute desperation and depression. They felt like God had abandoned them. They'd forgotten that the whole point this happened was they were warned by the prophets again and again, you need to fix up, don't head this way. When you keep heading this way, you're going to push God away. You're going to separate yourselves from God. You're going to do your own thing. And then he's not going to be there. When he's not going to be there, the Babylonians are going to come. And it's going to lead to the darkest period of your lives. Like, don't go there. Don't do this. And then it happens. And then when it happens, they get to this place where they're a little ambivalent about things. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been like me. I'm I'm assuming here today that everyone is way, way better than me, way holier than me, way better place with God than me. But there have been so many times in my life where I know I have made decisions to do things consistently that are totally not his ideas and his plans. And when I've done these things completely opposed to him, I found myself in a place where I'm filled with anxiety, I'm filled with fear, I'm filled with depression, and I'm in an absolute mess. Whether I'm in a mess with the environment around me or just internally, I'm in this place. And there comes this moment where I'm just filled with fear, filled with anxiety, filled with dread, and I'm like, God, what the flipping heck is going on? And it's really like, I don't even think about anymore the initial place that I was in or what I was doing, and I don't associate it with that. I associate the pain and the problem directly at God's doorstep. This is your fault, you could do something about this. Even though intentionally, I know me, I'm not talking about you, I know me, maybe some of you can identify, I've gone this way and I've done this. And there's this moment for them where their understanding is, you know, take the idea of what I've said about Shekinah and about the central lamp being a light and never going out and keeping on for a long, long period of time. They know that God is with them, they know that he's there take that to the opposite the Babylonians have come they've smashed them up they've mistreated them they've abused them they've violated them everything's taken from the temple nothing's in the temple anymore the light isn't a light anymore it's not lit anymore so the exact opposite is true for them Ichabod God's glory has departed he's no longer with us we're on our own and not only are we on our own but judgment has come Thanos is here everything has fallen apart there's nothing to live for there's this brokenness their identity is limp everything about them that their daily routine hinges on is taken away from them and there's this huge vacuum only filled with despair and then you get to the book of Daniel which is a crazy book because this is the darkest day in their history and yet Daniel throughout the whole book is walking around telling a different story to what they think they're experiencing they've lost everything they value they've lost everything they look to yet Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego won't let go of their beliefs they won't let go of their values and they won't bow down and they're thrown in the fire but they cannot be burned because God is with them in the fire and he's with them in the fire and nothing could change for them and then we move forward and now we're with Daniel here in this passage, Daniel's not even there. Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego aren't even there. There's no Jews in the building. There's no one in this house. There's no one in the party. There's no one there. But the king is getting freaked out because all of a sudden, the lampstand 
that he's taken from the Holy of Holies is next to him because that's where he's placed it among his possessions while he's drinking out of the rest of the items. And all of a sudden, this light is illuminating the wall and a finger, which Daniel says the Lord has sent from heaven, starts writing on the wall these words. In an alphabet, he should understand. In an alphabet, he should be able to read. But as they look at it, they can't see the wood through the trees. They can't see what's happening. You and I so often can't see the wood from the trees because we no longer associate the situation we're in to any of the stuff and the bad decisions we made before. We refuse to do it. We just keep on plowing ahead so often, completely acting oblivious to the idea that we are where we are because we shouldn't be where we are. And today I want to put some of the writing on the wall for us and I want to learn some lessons from the, the writing on the wall because they had a belief that God's glory had left. They had a belief that they were on their own. But for a Jewish reading, reading this story, seeing the lampstand illuminating the wall in that way, they'd have started to go, maybe, just maybe God's glory is still in the building. Maybe in the time when I felt that God wasn't there, maybe in the time when I felt I was completely in isolation, maybe in the time when I felt there was no hope that this was ever going to turn around, maybe at my lowest point where I felt there was nothing left for me, maybe there is a light that is still flickering. Maybe there is some writing that is coming on the wall. Maybe there is something of God's glory, of God's weight, of God's presence, that is still there that is lingering in the background and the whole point of Daniel what it consistently does is at a time when it feels like God is completely gone completely not there and nothing is happening Daniel is speaking with absolute clarity with absolute authority that God is still God he is still sovereign his glory still reigns he is still overall and that even when the most powerful nation in the known world at the time is on the throne the emperor is going to have his knees knocking and shaking because he's putting the writing on the wall He's putting the writing on the wall. So Joyce puts up the lights and she's trying to communicate with the other side. She creates that alphabet and her son starts lighting up the letters to communicate with her from the upside down world. There's this idea in this story that actually there's something otherly going on. There is this other world, not the upside down world, but, but something of heaven where this hand is sent from that is starting to write on the wall, that's starting to say a message to us. That maybe today one of the messages to us is that actually that every man has his time, like Babylon had its time and its king had its time. That every one of us, when it comes to our actions, will be weighed by God and we will be found wanting. And maybe the last part is that maybe things do get passed on to another. And they do. We all have legacy plans in life. You know, I hope my kids get everything but say I screw it all up, they don't, like this geezer. We think about these things, but the writing on the wall is actually one of the greatest blessings we can experience. The lesson we can learn from Belshazzar is this, is he made the mistake. He saw the writing on the wall, Daniel told him exactly what it means, and what's the next thing he does? He doesn't engage with the writing on the wall, he doesn't engage with it, he doesn't engage with God, he doesn't engage with something otherworldly of this world. What he does, he turns to Daniel, and he says, Daniel, great job, that's amazing. Here's some purple clothes. Here's a gold chain. You're now the third ruler in the world. And he goes to sleep and he is dead and he isn't there the next day. He makes a grave mistake and he makes a grave mistake that I've seen many make that sometimes when God starts writing on the wall in your life, when you get to that place and that situation, that actually the only thing that matters is one simple thing. And I've done it so many times in my life and I'll do it for the rest of my life. You get to a moment where 
whether you like it or not. If you don't want to get on your knees, you don't have to, but you find yourself in this place where you're going, God, you know what? I'm an absolute mess and I've screwed this up and I've got things so horribly wrong. And God, I am so sorry for the things that I've done with the great and the wonderful gifts that you've given me. I know sometimes, God, I could be so delusional about myself and who I am, but God, I just bring myself to the correct place before you. I humble myself before you, God. I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I'm so sorry for the, the way that I've lived my life. I'm so sorry that I perpetually keep going in the wrong way, Lord. I want to repent. I want to turn away. I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to bring glory to your name. I want to be a part of shining on the wall. I want to be one, someone who brings the lights on the wall that starts speaking to other people about a world that's greater than the one that they live in. Lord, I want to be someone who starts bringing other people to a place of realizing the writing is on the wall in their life. Not that they may encounter judgment like Belshazzar, Lord, but that I, through showing my sin, through showing my failure, through showing my sickness, through showing my brokenness and my failings, Lord, and being public with my repentance and trusting in you for your goodness, Lord, that other people may come and experience the writing on the wall in their lives, that they may see the glory shining on the lampstand again, that they may see that God is revealing a better way for them. Lord, would you receive me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you give me new life? Would you give me a new opportunity? Would you use me for your kingdom? Would I be a part of something that doesn't fade away? The Babylonian empire was amazing, but it's gone, Lord. I want to be a part of something eternal. I want to be a something apart of something that lasts longer than the latest iPhone, Lord. I want to be a part of something that goes on and on and on and on and for real meaning and worth. And you find these moments where the writing appears on the wall in your life and, and the choice that you have is you've got to be like Joyce and you've got to be able to go like, you know what, something strange is happening. This doesn't make sense. Everyone else is telling me that my son is gone. Everyone's telling me that my son is dead and gone. The thing about God is, is God was looking and he came out into the garden. He said, Adam, where are you? And ever since that moment, there have been signs throughout the Bible where the writing is on the wall where he's calling a people back to him saying there is a time coming when this comes to an end there's a time coming where you will be weighed you will be found wanting but then Jesus comes and gives his life in our place and he rebalances the scales that you and I can be called children of the most high God that's what the stranger things are and in the book of Daniel we start to see something we've never seen before in the Bible that we see this absolute language used that, that tells us that even in the time when we feel that everything is failing and broken and destroyed, God is still sovereign. And even when we feel like the glory of God has left the building, the writing is still on the wall and the lampstand's still gonna flicker. Even when it's not in the temple, it will illuminate Babylon, it will light it up and God is still gonna do the things that He is gonna do. He made a mistake. He just turned and gave, gave Daniel a bunch of gifts. Belshazzar didn't learn the lessons. He was too consumed in himself. He'd seen writing on the wall and yet he ceased to engage with the message that was on that other side and it cost him everything. I want to say this morning, I want to encourage you not to just lose sight of the writing on the wall. For some of us, the writing may not feel that real to us. For some of us, it may feel really real. But the point is today, there's an opportunity where you can come to God, you can come to Him where you are. And you can learn the lesson without ever having to have judgment come your way in that way. You can learn the lesson and receive newness of life today in the most wonderful and amazing way. I'm gonna pray for us and then that will be it for today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the writing is on the wall. 
I thank you, Lord, that we have opportunities in our lives where we can at any moment we want just talk to you and say, God, I'm sorry with the way that I've taken my life, the direction that I've gone in. I know that I was born for better things than this. I know that you have given me rebirth in your kingdom for better things than this. I know that you love me and created me for more than this. And Lord God, I want to live a life where I live it fully knowing that any moment it could have come to an end, that fully knowing that any moment judgment could be there, but you are offering newness of life and you offer me a place to be a part of the kingdom that you're building. And Lord, I thank you that in this story with Daniel, we start to see you speaking from the other side of the wall, just like Joyce did in Stranger Things, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't see that opportunity just to carry on with our lives as normal. Belshazzar made that mistake and it leads to a life of death and decay, but that we will be ready to embrace a message that gives us newness of life and more than we ever dreamed possible. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Thank you.